Hello everybody, it's Darren again. Just to let you know, this is a third part of a three-part series where myself and Michael talk about the best of everything that happened in 2020. In part one, we discussed television. In part two, it was video games. This one's a bit looser. Uh, in the first part, Michael's going to talk about the best and worst of music in 2020, whereas I'm going to indulge myself in talking about everything terrible that happened in the world of professional wrestling in the last 12 months. Enjoy! Ancillary stuff. Um, I feel people will care more about music than they will about me talking about wrestling, so I think music may be the best place to start. And then you can feel free to jump off at that point as I ramble endlessly about all the shit that happened in wrestling this year. <laughs> okay. Um, I haven't done albums because I've only listened to one. Uh, I've done songs and I've got a worse, an honorable mention, and a top five. Uh, worst, let's talk about the worst music from this year and it's not one single song that got nominated it's not even one album one artist it's a platform darren uh, and i just want to to make it known that tiktok has officially ruined music for me um because everything is a dance everything is a challenge everything is a meme and i'm getting fucking tired of it and i'm sick of tiktok i am sick of people who like tiktok i'm sick of seeing tiktok compilations suggested to me on youtube it has ruined just sound for me in general <laughs> just just the idea of deafen me you know just do it just get it over and done with i'm fucking sick of it i'm just i, I can't even i can't even try and bridge because you know me i like i like world music i like listening to japanese music a lot i'm not i can't even go into k-pop like, it's just, it, I mean, it's already a toxic community as it is, but every fucking bell end dancing to BTS, leave it alone, yeah. Jesus, I'll watch the music video, I don't need you, Jesus, oh, God. And the... <laughs> Tick toxic, am I right? <laughs> it sure is. Uh, the uh, shit uh, that this uh. platform has made popular as well, it's like, it doesn't even qualify as music, it's some dreadful fucking show... Any platform that brings Jason Derulo back from the fucking dead deserves to be burned to the goddamn ground. I mean, it is... It is genuinely awful. All of my Instagram suggestions at this point are just TikTok videos they've re-uploaded to Instagram. They are... As long as you've got a nice body, whether that be man, female or otherwise, you can be a TikTok star. Because you don't even need to be good at dancing. All TikTok dances are essentially the same. You just file for a bit... Point to either your arse, your dick, or your tits, and you're off. That's all you need. And yeah, any song that has 10 to 20 seconds worth of a repetitive chorus can be a TikTok it. It's the worst thing. I know we're both getting on now, and if we were a team, we might have slightly different views on TikTok, but it's just the worst. It's the worst thing. Hopefully, it does what Vine did and flames out by the end of 2021. Here's the thing, though. I. This is how you know that I'm not just being a grumpy old man, because I found Vine to be quite entertaining in the sense of it really pushed the constraints of filmmaking. And yeah. it it basically emboldened meme culture, something that is 
easily shareable and digestible. And there was some genuinely good stuff made on Vine, some genuinely stupid stuff as well. But it felt <laughs> less of a vanity project than TikTok is. TikTok yeah. is very much, like you said, you don't have to have talent to be good on TikTok. No. All you need to have is a good diet regime and some nice makeup. Outside of that, all the heavy lifting is done for you. It, I fucking hate it, yeah. Darren. I really That's, hate it. it. Just, I feel bad for the for the kids in this because, like, it's just being dumbed down and dumbed down and dumbed down with each new social media thing. That that's all you need to do to be famous is just dance like a fucking idiot. It's just, it's not good for them. This should not be the high point of their. They should not aim. No one ever should aspire to be a TikTok content creator. Oh, it's not oh, that's fucking a content. <laughs> I I understand people that want to be like YouTubers now because you can't make anything less than a half an hour video and get and get big on YouTube anymore. Like they're they're yeah. genuinely like filmmakers, scientists, and video essayists that get big on YouTube. It feels like the content has improved over there. It, all yeah. of the fucking the vapid like like the the cretins. yeah all the cretins all the vloggers all of the story time people all of the fucking drama nerds they went to tiktok and they can stay there so that we can blow it the fuck up let's talk about things i liked because uh, otherwise i feel like i'm just gonna spew vile into this uh this microphone all afternoon um honorable mention because it's i didn't feel comfortable putting this in my top five because um it very much is spawned from a TikTok thing. <laughs> oh, God, my Right, okay. Um, a Doja Cat song, who I don't enjoy, uh, got big on TikTok called Say So. Um, again, it was a dance thing. However, it led to a very good cover. Uh, this is a bit that confuses me, because it's an Indonesian girl covering a American song in Japanese and making it a thousand times better in the process. Um, so I just want to give props to Rainick. Uh, I'm not sure what her actual name is. That's her screen name. Uh, Rain YCH um, with her cover of Say So done into Japanese because it recontextualizes the song. It, it makes it less of like a thirsty fucking uh, like please dick me down right now song into something mm-hmm. more innocent. And it does not it doesn't actually change the lyrics. It doesn't actually even change the instrumentation. But the presentation, putting it into the Japanese language, makes it a bit more coy. And I think I really appreciated that. It, it felt like it had a lot more depth in this new language. Um, and that's the bit I should be ashamed for. The top five will not have anything like that. Uh, at number five... Um, sorry, just for, just for clarification. Koi like a fox or koi like a carp? <laughs> I mean, given that it's in Japanese, I guess both. That's sweet. Good. <laughs> Oh, God. Right, okay, number five. Weezer, beginning of the end. Uh, it featured in Bill and Ted Face the Music. It will be coming out on Weezer's next album next year. Um, and I enjoyed it quite a lot. It, it's only recently jumped into the top five. Um, not necessarily because it was. it's jumped up since I started... Since I'd seen, rather, um, Bill and Ted, the new Bill and Ted movie. But... It's kind of just crept in. I think it was on my um, Missed Songs of the Year playlist on Spotify. And I was like, oh, yeah, that was on this film. And and yeah, now it's it's racking up the hits on my Spotify account. It's a very good 
sort of straightforward indie rock slash pop song. Um, the version that's currently released at the minute is the Wild Stallions edit, so it does have a couple of music cues from the end of Bill and Ted Face the Music, which kind of makes it its own little beast. Um, the full-length ver- album version will be slightly different, and so that's why I think you should enjoy it now. Weezer are a great band. I feel like they don't get as much props as they should. They're certainly popular, given that you know some of their videos have been some of the most watched on YouTube, but hey, I've never really talked about Weezer. They feel like one of those bands that have always been in the background. Of like They're never your favourite, but they're always putting out good stuff. So props to Weezer this year for having a song that crop, uh, cracks the top five. Number four, do you like covers, Darren? Because I've got one for you. Um, I like covers. That's good. Uh, Tenacious D covered Time Warp in favour of Rock the Vote uh, for the Biden campaign. And just, yeah, despite the fact that obviously I now choose to believe that this is the entire reason that Biden won the um, election. um, It's Jack Black doing Rocky Horror. How the fuck was this not a thing beforehand? (laughs) It's oddly perfect. The the video is is just basically them in the studio. But uh, Jack Black changes costume every five minutes. It's fucking incredible. Um, (laughs) I've, I've never wanted to see... Uh, Jack Black as a shirtless riffraff from um, Rocky Horror is rocking out. And the dude's, like, his singing voice has not deteriorated. He still sounds so fucking good. You know when they eventually remake Rocky Horror, and let us forget that they've already done that, when they do it again, because they will, if you don't put Jack Black in it, you've done something wrong. He deserves to be there. I thought he was retiring from films, though. So they might want to get a move on. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, anything that releases more Tenacious D, I'm happy with that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Number three, uh, we've got Joji with Run. I've talked about Joji in previous end of year stuff. Um, I didn't really gel with his new album, Nectar. It's not as good as Ballads 1 for me, Um, which is weird because this single was a real standout in that it almost it almost sounds like a Metallica song and it's being produced by a lo-fi hip-hop artist. And it's that kind of weird dissonance to me in that the instrumentation compared to the lyrics and certainly the subject matter of the song that really kind of catapulted it up my list this year. Um, it's very unique, which is something that can't be said for the next two entries because they are very definitely playing safe into the things that I enjoy. And and Joji's always been that outlier for me. I'm not big on the sort of the lo-fi trap hip-hop stuff. I, I mean, Post Malone managed to redeem himself in my eyes this year with his um, Nirvana concert, which was genuinely great. Um, but I'm still I'm still not there. It's still not my favourite genre. But Joji consistently is putting out music that is different in that it reflects kind of the this is going to sound stupid, but it reflects the apathy of our generation quite well. Um, and I do feel that like, uh, we, we talked about TikTok and the vanity issue there. I do feel that like Joji is very much the other side of that coin. You know, what lies behind the jumped up, uh, vanity projects of, of our times and the consistent, um, sort of like focus on, on, on your persona, He's very much an antithesis to that, which I really enjoy. Plus, I think his voice has really improved in this track. The new album as a whole, his singing's got a lot better, but it it just lacked the edge I thought the first one had. So Joji at number three. Uh, number two, um, you can feel free to have a little dance, Darren. Feel free to have a little cheer, because Biffy Clyro aren't at number one. Whew. 
Okay, that's good. Um, I liked their new album a lot. Like, Celebrations of Endings is is better than the last three albums they've put out. Um, but there was one song I liked more than Biffy. However, I will say the standout track from that album is End Of, which very much sounds like something that would have featured on one of their first three albums, which is always going to be the best era of Biffy's music to me. The first three albums where... They were just trying to make something that they loved rather than something that would chart is better. It feels better. And this song end off felt like a return to that. You've got the weird time signatures. You've got the heavier lyrics. You've got the screaming. It's all back. And the lyrics are a lot better this time around. It's a lot less trite, even though one of the better songs on this new album is a straight up love song. It's really good. Um, end of is easily the best one and uh, is very much a redeemer after Balance Not Symmetry. Not the song, the movie, which is still remains one of the worst fucking things I've ever seen. <laughs> fucking hate that film. Uh, <laughs> number one. Now you can really celebrate, Darren, because my top song of the year. Um, I have to give him number one. I have to give him a win because the European community can't do it this year. Uh, Daddy Freya with Think About Things, uh, that's Iceland's entry into the Eurovision Song Contest, is undoubtedly oh, well the best done. song from this year. Undoubtedly. Well done. <laughs> There's nothing else I need to say. Go and listen to it. It's fucking brilliant. It's... See, I was, what did you think I about it? I was holding off because... I was holding off because, obviously, I don't want to ruin... I, I like to have everything on the day of Eurovision, but Eurovision isn't happening anytime soon, so that seems a bit of a pointless endeavour. So I will go and give this a listen. Um when we're done, real quick, I had a look at my Spotify whilst you were talking to see if I added any song from this year. Um I mean they're not from this year, but new additions to the Spotify um rundown include um oh, where is it? Witness, witness, uh, witness the fitness by Roots Maneuver from the early nineties, because <laughs> uh, it was on an IKEA advert. Um, nowhere to run to, nowhere to run to, because that was also on an advert. But there was what? Oh, also Brown Eyed Girl by Van Morrison, which I'm sure I had on before, but I must have like it must have got taken off Spotify. I've re-added mm. that. Um, it was uh, a song from Sia. Uh, it was Together. It's awful bubblegum pop, but it was my kind of awful bubblegum pop so it got at it so i have listened to one new song <laughs> from this year one go me well done one that's better than last year when it was genuinely none so <laughs> we're moving in the right direction i'm surprised you didn't do what um what i forced my wife through this year which was uh do our own eurovision like get like uh... we we did both semi-finals and a final um like just like playlisting the, the songs on youtube and we put our own votes through and all that but you know just pick 25 of the entries um and just do See, your own well this is the thing eurovision is not a me and rage you think she does not care for it <laughs> at all it's very much a me and my brother thing yeah uh, in fact the last time we watched it uh in uh 2019 i went round my brother's house and both Rachel and my uh, soon-to-be sister-in-law both fell asleep uh, <laughs> about halfway through, as did my niece, who was flat out from the start. But me and my brother were not stopping and watched the entire thing <laughs> on full blast. I was like, no, they, they came to air party. This is our yeah. thing. If they're not going to stay away, that's their problem. How can you not stay away during the new voting system? It's it's a lot better. Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I'm, t I'm sure that was going to win them round. No, you've got to wake up. The song, the singing's over, but now we get to have votes. <laughs> They're fun. It's like election night, but better. <laughs> did, did you did 
did you rachel i know you watched it but did you watch the eurovision movie with rachel uh, I did, yes. She actually enjoyed it more than I did, which is a miracle, because she hates Will Ferrell. <laughs> hates Will Ferrell. Uh, in that case, honourable mention to Lion of Love. Oh, yeah, that was good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. okay, that should be added to my Spotify, 100%. Um, okay, people, then real quick, I want to do something a little serious before I think most people are going to jump off. We used to, in a, back in the day, give out the Stanley Award for Badass of the Year. And I just, I know this is going to be really weird and serious for a moment before we talk about the man who hit each other in spandex, but fair play to the NHS this year. My God, they've had some shit thrown at them and have carried on throughout it all. I am, we are so blessed to live in this country where that is a possibility. It may be about to get worse and we might be about to see things really start crumbling unless help either divine monetary or otherwise comes in to help i it might be a bit to get a lot worse but seriously if you are anybody even remotely associated with the nhs who has worked through this horrible fucking year just yeah props you're the stanleys of this year each and every one of you completely completely agree with that it's been horrific and not just because of the virus because of you know, just the attitude to which our current government has yeah. taken to our institutional, you know, of of public health. Just, yeah. you know, pay them in claps. Don't give them a pay rise, but oh. have a pay rise yourself. This government is a fucking national disaster. And I think genuinely more dangerous than we could have ever anticipated. So if you are yeah. working for the NHS... Please take your, I know it doesn't mean anything, but take your badass motherfucker of the year award and <laughs> wear it with pride the next time. And you, and the next time you are able to, please consider strike action. <laughs> do, do it. Fuck these guys. Yeah. Once, once we've got these vaccines rolled out and God, I hope they're any good. Stick it to this fucking government because they fucking deserve it. They, I cannot wait for the next election. Because everyone was like, well, Labour's never going to, you know, they lost by such a margin the last time round that by history tells it, it's going to take them at least two elections before they're back in the running because they can't recover that much ground. Oh, I'd like to see. I'd like to see anyone justify voting for the fucking Conservatives again. But there we go. Anyway, I wanted to be serious for a moment and genuinely give out praise for the best people of this year. But now... (laughs) We're going into the depths. Anyway, bye, everybody. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, if you want to jump off at this point, there'll be nothing but wrestling talk for the next while. And I have to apologise to Michael as well, who doesn't watch wrestling, but I feel like this is my chance to... Well, usually this is my chance to sell you on it. That's not going to happen this year. I just need to inform you of all the fucking rank and terrible things that WWE... Let's not tar all of wrestling, but mainly the WWE has done this year so if you want to jump off please do but yeah i'm just going to talk through the please shit go to the phantom zone where john cena still resides <laughs> he is more than that in a second so i'm going to take you through all the terrible things that happened this year and then i'm going to talk you through the, the best five matches i saw this year um so because as i wrote in my the first line of my article bit of this is it's explicitly stated in my contract with Mike that I get to talk about my pretend fighting once a year just for the purposes of cementing my status as the manly one. Now, on with the semi-naked graps. Um, so that's well established. Right, it's been a weird year. 
um, which is saying something for wrestling, um, which is inherently fucking weird, but it's been the bad kind of weird this year. I'm just going to document some of the really trashy, fucking horrible things they did. So you might not have noticed, Muggle, that rest- you might be forgiven for thinking that wrestling stopped during the pandemic. And I'm here to tell you, they didn't miss a single fucking show. Not one. Well, did, didn't John Oliver cover this as well? Yeah, he did. So they basically, in Florida, they have something called the Performance Center. It's in Orlando. Uh, it's where the trainees people, some of the people that appear on NXT, but mainly the people who aren't even that level good for of wrestling yet, they go to this place called the Performance Center. It's huge, basic warehouse in Orlando that's got usually five rings set up, you know, a world-class gym, um, rooms where they can focus on their promo skills, on their talking ability. Uh, it's where they train their commentators, it's where they train their referees. It's basically their, like, um, equivalent of St. George's Park for the England team. It's where all the training happens now. So all the people they sign, whether they be independent wrestlers or uh, football stars or any other athletes they sign, they all move to Orlando for a bit and then spend a few years in this performance centre. Basically, it meant that WWE have their own studio and what they did was overnight they converted it into their in-house tv studio where they put on raw smackdown nxt and everything else in front of no fans um now early on it was weirdly silent because they would literally just do it in front of empty chairs um it was only later on once uh, all elite wrestling figured out that you can just pipe noise in and it sounds at least better um, that they eventually did that. They stopped shooting. They set the chairs up for some reason, but would just shoot. No one sat in them. They eventually moved the camera around so you can just see the the screen where they've got graphics and stuff running, and they piped in noise. Um, they had a few COVID breakouts, but they banned their wrestlers from talking about them and even saying they had COVID. People would just disappear for a few weeks in the middle of storylines and then turn back up like nothing had Jesus. happened. Um, yeah, and considering it's wrestling, where you are in close proximity to people who cannot wear masks because they're athletes, that's not great. And they were basically all cajoled into what is a relatively small building not designed to hold a full roster of wrestlers. And it was all being taped out of the same facility. NXT has um, a place called Full Sail University where they run their TV shows from. Um, they were working out of there as well, but there was a lot of crossover between the rosters. Lots of outbreaks happened. And they are being investigated by the FBI for this. Um, but they carried on. They were the only sport that carried on regardless. Two things I'm going to mention. Now, you could take them as separate happenings if you want. But basically, in the same week, um, governors of Florida said that WWE and wrestling in general is an essential business. Well, that can fuck up. So was... Oh, yes, it can. But completely unrelated, Michael completely unrelated vince mcmahon who owns WWE, his wife linda mcmahon is part of the trump administration and during the same week wouldn't you know that they committed to spending 18.5 million pounds in florida for the trump re-election campaign those are two separate incidents michael and you shouldn't think of them <laughs> as being related to each other at least that's that that's what they want you to think those are two completely separate things that happened in the same week and have nothing to do with each other so what <laughs> yeah 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 so basically they paid their way into being declared an in, uh, an essential business and meant they could carry on even though they were 
the only game in town, there's no NFL to watch, there's no basketball, there's no baseball. There's only wrestling. Considering they're the only game in town, and everyone is at home, ratings plummet. <laughs> <laughs> That's what they fucking deserve. They do. Uh, Raw recorded every week. It broke its own record for the lowest watch Raw of all time, going back to the 90s when it first started, I think in like 91 or 92, whatever. Um, yeah, so that's bad, forcing your employees to work. They did say people weren't forced to work. They could choose to go away. Only a few people took that option, uh, being Roman Reigns, who only just got over leukemia last year and had newborn twins at home. So he was the only really high-profile person who said, I'm not going to work. A few of us did. Sami Zayn, uh, who was the Intercontinental Champion, decided, at least in the first few months until we knew more about it, he wasn't going to work. He was immediately stripped of his title. So they went against them saying that there would be no repercussions for choosing your own health. But apparently that was a bit of bullshit, and uh, yeah, everyone else was too scared to do it. And there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of Republicans who are wrestlers, and they some of them believed it was a hoax. So that's... Oh, for fuck's sake. Yep. Uh, so I'm just going to plumb the depth of stuff where we actually talk about wrestling. Um, continuing on the dodgy things. Now, some of the wrestlers, it did mean good news and bad news. They weren't touring. So obviously that's, the toll on their bodies goes dramatically down because they're not... They're only wrestling once a week. Uh, they were batch taping at some points. Um, they would do like three episodes of Raw in a day and then three episodes of SmackDown in a day so that they could then go home. Or at least go to the hotel and isolate there for a bit. Because most of them were scared to take anything back to their families. Considering, again, multiple outbreaks of the virus backstage. Um, they punished the only person who publicly admitted it as well. For Renee Young. They admonished her pretty bad, apparently. And she was only an announcer. She's not actually in ring. Uh, she's no longer with the company. Uh, Unsurprising. Anyway. I know, I know. Um, so, so that's good. They weren't touring. Um, they were batched taping stuff for a little while then all of a sudden one week they said no we're going back live because we only we're only allowed a certain amount of pre-taped content in a year with our tv broadcasters turns out no one had bothered to ask the tv broadcasters and when they did they were like yes you nutcases pre-taped stuff we don't <laughs> want to be held responsible for people dying it just turns out no one had bothered to ask if they were okay to tape stuff so yeah they eventually they, i think they're now going back to live um but Anyway, um, but they have they had a lot of time on their hands, the wrestlers. Now, unfortunately, that did mean they weren't getting paid uh, for house shows and their merchandise stuff was obviously taking a big hit because no one was seeing it live. But that meant they had a lot of time on their hands and them being, you know, generally quite creative people, a lot of them got on Cameo and a lot of them started Twitch channels. Um, allegedly, some of them were making so much money off Cameo, it was actually outstripping their earnings from wrestling at the time. Wow. WWE uh, stepped in and said, no, no, uh, not wanting their wrestlers, who are, of course, not employees, but... Um, independent contractors. Um, independent contractors. Fucking hell. Not wanting them to earn extra money during a fucking global pandemic. Uh, they told them, you have 30 days to wrap up all third-party platforms you have or face the consequences. So most of them except for the ones that were already entrenched so you may have heard of up up down down which is like xavier woods get youtube gaming channel far too big for them to try and shut down has been running for years at this point um he has been announced as one of the presenters for the reforming g4 program which is like a big video game yeah that's a good choice he's been one of yeah he's one of the presenters he's going to be a great choice 
he was allowed to stay on, but everyone else basically had to shut their shit down. And one of them who didn't, who was called Selena Vega, um, they fired because she was so adamant that she was making more money on Cameo and Twitch than she was wrestling that she wasn't going to give them up, and they fired her. This is all because they wanted to make their own agreements with these platforms and charge 1500 per pop from a Cameo from The Undertaker. Oh, fucking hell. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's been a great year to be a fan. Um, so, that. Uh, but we're not done, Michael. We're not done. They announced, um, it was, I think, a, a couple of, maybe a couple of weeks, if not like a couple of months into the pandemic, they laid off or furloughed 40% of their staff. Um, so most of the, the furloughing was backstage. They released, I think it was about 15 to 20 wrestlers who were on screen, but I think it was about 30 all told with people who hadn't like debuted on for NXT yet. So they laid off a load of people in the middle of the pandemic. And then... A couple of in the same quarter, a couple of months later, they announced record profits that they have never even been here. It was seven hundred percent increase on profits. Fucking and what? The reason they gave for furloughing and getting rid of people was for cost saving measures. Oh, you can't say that. Hell. And then do seven hundred million pounds, seven hundred percent increase to your profits. Why would you even disclose this? Why would you even tell people this? Well, they're they're a publicly traded company, so they have to divulge all their finances. And, yeah, they figure that out. Now, that that was the reason when they got cornered on the conference call of, like, well, why did you release all these wrestlers? They were like, well, everyone was doing cost-saving, you know, cutting and stuff. But they're not earning whatever millions of pounds it was in profit. So, yeah. Then... uh... (laughs) Christ, so what this month is are a, we up this to? Is, well, I, I'm, I'm not kind of, I'm trying to stick to chronological, but this one's a bit more kind of um, hard to pin down. Um, wrestling had a Me Too movement uh, this year as well, um, started by a guy called Joey Janela. Uh, not, not Joey Janela. God, I, no, Joey not him. Uh, What's his name? <laughs> Joey Apples. It's uh, Joey. Oh no. Uh, <laughs> I cannot, and it's very important I don't throw Joey Janela under the bus because Joey Janela's not a bad person. Um, hang on, I can do this real quick. Uh, he owns Gorilla Wrestling, PWG. Um, I'll be right with you. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Joey Ryan, there you go. So Joey Ryan had a porn gimmick and has been in porn. And his thing was he was a bit lechy. Right. Turns out... That he lived the gimmick and had sexually harassed and assaulted several women. Oh, God. This then started a fucking slurry of other people, unfortunately, largely from the British wrestling scene, being outed as grooming trainees who were like 16 or 17, sexual abuse, sexual harassment, so on and so forth. Um, they released a lot of people. Uh, a lot of the people they had signed to NXT UK got released. Uh, that was a brand that was already pretty dead that did not need this. Um, and it was genuinely horrible. It happened over like a course of like a week where most of the allegations were coming out. And it was just genuinely horrible to read that people I have like personally supported, gone to independent shows to see and, you know, in one case, even brought merchandise. Seeing them all come out is just genuinely terrible people that i've wrote praise for for years when i was back writing for a wrestling website it's not 
it wasn't a good time to be a wrestling fan. It was genuinely, genuinely horrible. Um, so that's most of the bad stuff. Um, so more in ring stuff. Uh, this obviously meant that weirdly the first pay-per-view on the docket after everything closed down was wrestlemania so wrestlemania 36 which was split into two nights was done in front of no fans which was weird uh, and silence um throughout um we did see some positives uh two things in general we saw the first ever British-born WWE champion, uh, Drew McIntyre, who should have been nominated for Sports Personality of the Year. I know that award means basically jack shit, but he should have been. Uh, he beat Brock Lesnar in the main event. Great, we finally have a British world champion. However, the second he loses it, he will go back to being Scottish. It's the Andy Murray paradox. <laughs> um, so, that. Um, but good on him. He's been a great WWE champion so far this year, even with ratings plummeting around him. That's not his fault. He's put on good matches. It also saw the birth of 2020's hottish trend cinematic matches we got two at wrestlemania night one was main evented by aj styles versus the undertaker in a boneyard match um which was essentially a graveyard match but for some reason called the boneyard <laughs> match uh it saw the return of biker taker which was great and turned out to actually be the undertaker's last ever match he properly retired at survivor series but wrestling retirements don't tend to last so he'll be back soon um so yeah that was great and then on night two we saw the firefly funhouse match which i'm going to talk about a bit uh in a, in a second uh elsewhere uh, it's great to talk about aew all elite wrestling um whilst WWE were shitting themselves i mean aew still made their people work during a pandemic so not great but apparently much more testing and a lot more transparency with who was ill and all that stuff so they did it slightly better. Uh, they, too, had to move to a permanent location. Um, they're owned by the guy who owns the Jacksonville Jaguars NFL team and Fulham Football Club, so they just moved it to the Jacksonville Jaguars Stadium, which allowed them to have a match called the Stadium Stampede, which was essentially what if a wrestling match happened in an empty football stadium and all the wackiness of golf carts that ensued. Um, it was great. It was very silly, but it was very fun. Um AEW has gone from strength to strength. They are consistently beating NXT in the ratings. Uh, they both air at the same time on Wednesdays. They are annihilating NXT at the moment. Um, they're, they're starting to get in touch in distance of Raw, which when we will see real panic buttons hitting the WWE. Um, they have essentially called the banners. They have made working relationships with uh, Impact Wrestling, formerly known as TNA, uh, the Rejuvenated National Wrestling Alliance, which is owned and operated by Billy Corgan of the Smashing Pumpkins, of all people. The fuck? Um, <laughs> oh, yeah, he's a massive wrestling fan, and he now owns the oldest wrestling promotion in the world, the National Wrestling Alliance. So, good oh, for him. Um, and <laughs> the they world might be... is oh, no, a vampire. <laughs> <laughs> oh, nature just oh, reminded it's... me of Billy Corgan rides a roller coaster now. That's one of the best videos ever made. <laughs> um that's wonderful uh yeah he um <laughs> the national wrestling lines did have to navigate a race and storm earlier this year that was fun oh, uh, when a guy called jim jim Cornette, who is the worst person in wrestling um made a joke of this guy is so hard he could strap a bucket of chicken to his back and drive it off ethiopia and no one would mess with him oh 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 yeah he was fired the next day but they let that was an edited episode. Someone said that was fine to go on TV. Yeah, that, that's uh, something. Billy Corgan was a okay with that apparently, but anyway, um, 
And yeah, they might even be making an alliance with New Japan Pro Wrestling, which is when Panic Buttons will really, really be hit if they get that off. Because uh, that's the biggest wrestling promotion in Japan and the second biggest in the world. Um, oh, is that is that so where yeah. they pinch Shinsuke from? Yes, yeah, yeah, it's where they pinch all the good Japanese guys. But I mean, they're so good now that people aren't really leaving there. Um, to great. In fact, I think uh, this weekend, even maybe tonight, is uh, their big WrestleMania, uh, Wrestle Kingdom. I think is either this weekend or next oh, weekend. Right. But anyway. Um, so that's all the shit that happened in wrestling. Um, I'm just going to give you, uh, if you go to the written version of this article, I'll give you a full list of basically every match you need to care about uh, in full on there. Real quick, I'll go for my top five. Uh, the Fiend, Bray Wyatt the Fiend, has his own category for many and various matches as he was the poster child for cinematic matches this year. If you don't know, Bray Wyatt used to be a cult leader um, from the swamps of Louisiana with a Hawaiian shirt. He went away for a while, came back at the tail end of 2019 as two characters, uh, the one affectionately known as Mr. Rogers Bray Wyatt, who is a kids TV uh, presenter in the vein of Mr. Rogers, and The Fiend, who is a horror movie monster that comes out to attack people. They are treated as two separate characters, even though they're not. Um, it's fun. Mad. Yeah. Uh, he started the year. He was Universal Champion. He had a fantastic strap match against Daniel Bryan at the Royal Rumble. Um, it sounds odd, a strap match, but you essentially means you just got a leather strap tied to each person's wrist. Uh, brilliant match. Um, probably his best in-ring match he's had. Then he lost the Universal title to Goldberg in Saudi Arabia in the worst match of the year. Uh, dreadful. Uh, and it seemed like that was going to be it. Then he had a match against John Cena at WrestleMania called the Firefly Hunt Fez, which is the most meta thing wrestling has ever done. <laughs> like, it's mad, Michael. I would like you to watch this alone. You probably won't get all the references, but it was essentially a character assassination and a takedown of WWE that they aired on WrestleMania. Right. It makes... I had no idea who signed off on this, but I'm so glad <laughs> they did. It's basically an abstract drama production, not a match. It's brilliant. Probably the like the most brave and best thing they did all year on the main roster. But he then went on to have more cinematic matches. Uh, he had a trio against Braun Strowman when all three of his personas fought against Braun Strowman, who used to be in the White Family cult. Um, he had a match, a fairly standard match at um, Tables, Lads and the Chairs, I think it was, where he was, he was fighting Mr. Rogers Bray that had a load of puppets at ringside. Um, he then had a swamp fight where he went back to being cult leader Bray, where they actually had a fight in a swamp. Um, <laughs> yep. I suppose you can distance in a swamp, so that's good. You can, you can. Uh, and then they had a final showdown uh, at SummerSlam between The Fiend and Braun Strowman, where The Fiend uh, won back his universal title and he finished the year by being burnt alive. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, in the last pay-per-view of the year, the TLC pay-per-view, uh, he had a Firefly Inferno match against Randy Orton. In a previous, like many, many years ago, Randy Orton burnt down his house and this was like revenge for that. <laughs> so it was an Inferno match, which usually means you have to set your opponent on fire and you win. Um, and uh, the Fiend gets caught on fire at some point. He's wearing a leather jacket, so clearly he's protected. But he basically, it's really cool for about 30 seconds where he's on fire but still attacking Randy Orton, who has to drop him with an RKO whilst he's on fire. They said a really obvious camera cut where we're looking at, Rand we look at prone Bray Wyatt on the mat. We then look at Randy Orton. <laughs> we then come back to what is clearly a scarecrow um, <laughs> in the middle of the ring. 
uh, that is then set on fire. And that's the last we've seen of him so far. So in canon, in kayfabe, the fiend's dead. And Randy Orton murdered him live on pay-per-view. And hasn't even been suspended or fined. Uh, So, yeah. God, wrestling's fucking stupid. I know. It's been an up and down year for The Fiend, but he's definitely the most interesting thing in wrestling. Uh, it's basically one company desperately trying to stop a man being too creative uh, and was having the side effects. Okay, I can get through these a bit faster. They don't take as much explanation. Um, fourth best match, Bailey versus Sasha Hell in a Cell um, for the SmackDown Women's title. Great match, great feud that's been built over years and years and years. Um, they had a feud in NXT. Um, that had my favourite women's wrestling match of all time at NXT TakeOver Brooklyn. Um, a match I praised so much, I mentioned on the Wikipedia page for it. You um, are. I am. Back when I was writing for the wrestling oh, website. Right. So um, they took my praise and put it in there for like the praise for this match. It's genuinely the best women's match I think I've ever <laughs> seen. Um, they started the year as friends. They were at one point held all the titles. They were both Raw champion women's champion uh, sorry smackdown champion and the uh, women's tag team champions uh when they lost the tag team belts uh bailey turned on sasha which is an inverse of the usual dynamic usually bailey's the good guy and sasha's not uh, and then they had a, a hell in a cell match and it was really really good not as good as their nxt take of brooklyn match but definitely the best women's match of this year uh and number three uh, we have Sami Zayn versus AJ Styles versus Jeff Hardy in a triple threat ladder match for the IC title. Uh, this was at Clash of Champions in September. Sami Zayn has had a fantastic year as an elite dickhead champion. Just, or oh, I always thought Sami Zayn was destined to be a good guy for life because he's so good at being a babyface, but he's the best dickhead heel going these <laughs> days. Um, he basically he got stripped because he decided not to work during a pandemic. They stripped him of his title. When he came back a few months later, he claimed to still be champion, despite the fact I think at that point Jeff Hardy was. Um, so these basically he had a match. He won, so he said he's now a double intercontinental champion, uh, having won his own title twice. Uh, but this match is probably the it's the best ladder match I can remember for quite a few years because Sami Zayn is operating at elite level dickheadedness. He has two sets of handcuffs. He uses the first to go through... Um, Jeff Hardy has stretchers in his earlobes, so he puts the handcuffs through them and then handcuffs into a ladder. Um, so he's fucked. Um, then he goes back in the ring, gets knocked out by Sammy, uh, by AJ Styles, who's about to start climbing the ladder, but then realises Sammy has handcuffed his prone body to AJ Styles, so he can't climb a ladder. He then does a switcheroo, ties AJ to the ladder, climbs up, wins the titles. It's been a brilliant six months of dickheadery from Sami Zayn, and this was the uh, kind of apex of that. Right, we're into the last two. Um, the second place is actually two matches, but they are very, very closely linked. So Roman Reigns went away for a few months. Um, you may not be fully aware of Roman Reigns' history, but he was booked as like the super mega babyface face of the company, and everyone booed the shit out of him because he was John Cena 2.0, but worse. Um, and Nobody liked it. He got diagnosed with leukemia, and thankfully the booing stopped. That was nice of the fans. Um, he came back, and everyone was genuinely happy like to see him back. But he was he was kind of booked to just be the same old babyface he was. He had a few good matches. He had a good match at the Rumble against Baron Corbin. But then he went off to the start of the pandemic, and he came back as the best heel in all of wrestling. He came back as just an arrogant son of a bitch. And I cannot tell you how much 
better he is as a bad guy. He's he's taken on like this gimmick of like he calls himself the tribal chief. Um, Roman Reigns is from a very very famous wrestling family called the Anawahi family, that includes among its members uh, the Usos, Rikishi, and most importantly the Rock. Um, they are all cousins of each other. It's uh, the fa- I've seen the family tree. It's mental. Anyway, he's come back and said, look. I have been the biggest player in this family for years. I am now taking that literally. I am your tribal chief, and you will all fall in line with me. One of his cousins, uh, Jay Uso, uh, Jimmy was out injured. They're, they're twins. Um, but Jay managed to fluke his way into a title match at Clash of Champions against Roman. And Roman was like feigning, like, oh, yeah, good for you, buddy. And then the episode before the pay-per-view, he beats the shit out of his cousin and says, look, Lay down for me, or I'm going to make an example of you. Jay has never had a title match. He's not about to lay down. And it's the only match, these two are the only matches this year that have made full advantage of no fans being there because they are constantly talking to each other. Roman Reigns beats the ever-loving piss out of Jay Uso for 20 minutes. And he's just saying, like, look, acknowledge me as the tribal chief. Acknowledge me as the head of the table, or this is going to continue. And Jay is being defiant. It's theatre, Michael. It's It's almost like South Park knew what they were talking about. Exactly, exactly that. It is a perfect hybrid between there's still good wrestling happening, but it's like the performance is more important. Oh, Oh, I don't know if you'll enjoy it to the same extent I do, just because you need all that backstory of Roman being booed for years and finally being a heel. But yeah, eventually Jimmy... Uso has to run down, even though his leg's fucked, and throws in the towel just to make him stop beating the shit out of his brother. And Roman Reigns walks to the uh, the ramp. Uh, his dad and his uncle, who is the Uso's dad, comes out. Well, the Uso's granddad, and like puts a lay on him. And is like, you're the head of this family now. You're the best. They have a rematch a month later at Hell in a Cell in a I Quit match uh, inside the Hell in a Cell. Where basically the, the way you win an I Quit match is you make your opponent say, I quit. And it's even more violent. And again, they're just beating the shit out of each other. And Paul Heyman, who's now Roman Reigns' manager, he's like even telling Roman Reigns, like, stop, he's dead. He's He's already dead. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) But he's like, Roman's just like, cool as you like, like, not until he acknowledges me as the leader of his family, the head of the table. And then slams his cousin through a table. It's... Oh, it's I cannot point to words. Like I, I was never like Roman is the dirt worst, but he was easily the worst thing about WWE for years. It just that everything revolved around him. We'd just done this for a decade with Cena, and we were doing it again. He wasn't having good matches. He was having terrible promos, and it killed my interest in the main roster. I still don't watch Raw and SmackDown every week. Like it just because the Roman Reigns era when it was first happening was so boring. I just gave up and have never gone back. He's now the most must-see person, most must-see wrestler in the world, bar none. He is, it's not just because, like, basically he beats Jay up, bit wins, and now Jay has fell into line of, like, look, you are the head of this table, I will now do whatever you fucking tell me to, just don't hurt me anymore. Um, he's gone on to have a match against Drew McIntyre at Survivor Series, which was fantastic. He's just come off of a great match at um, TLC against Kevin Owens, which was brilliant. He's, like, he's the best. He's the most interesting wrestler in the world right now, and... It all seems to be building. He's called himself the head of the family that includes The Rock. It seems like The Rock's going to come back and put his cousin over. 
and that will be the Rock's retirement match. It has to. The only way this ends is if the Rock gets involved and the Rock gets beaten, and that will be a hell of a thing. Cannot wait. But those were very good matches, but there is one that stands alone. The second I watched was like, that is the best match this year. We're going back to NXT UK, which is a dead, dead brand. No one cares. Even I don't watch it week to week. I'm guilty of that. I thought I wanted to support, you know, British wrestling. But NXT UK essentially tried to kill British wrestling independently anyway. The independent scene has been decimated by basically NXT UK signing all the hot talent and then not letting them work for anybody other than like a few hand-picked companies in this country. So... The British wrestling scene, which was the best in the world, is now on its arse. And given the Me Too movement, maybe that's for the better anyway. But, alas, it was a dead brand. It was off TV during the Me Too movement because they just couldn't get over here from America to like film stuff over here. So it, I, I think the last show was in about March time. Uh, and then it didn't return until, I think, sep- late September. They finally got people back over here to film the, se- film the show um, in the BT Sports like, where they do the BT Sport, like, post-match stuff for the football. There's now a wrestling ring. Um, anyway, so, you had a guy called Walter. Before the lockdown happened, they were built into a match between Walter, who's this massive Austrian dude. He's like a fridge with a head on him. <laughs> um, and he had been NXT UK champion for, like, a year at this point. And he was going against a guy called Ilya Dragunov, who, if you told me, was legitimately crazy. I would believe you. He has got mad... Rasputin energy that he's just got these like he just looks like a mental person anyway these two are booked to be like uh, to have an NXT UK match they've had lots of matches in Germany in WXW on the independent scene that were apparently like brilliant I haven't seen any of them I wanted to keep it clean anyway I got back into NXT UK for a few weeks just to see the build of this match it happened on NXT UK TV October 29th and I'm telling you Michael it is the most violent thing I've ever seen. <laughs> they, there's no chairs, there's no weapons of any kind, nothing like that. But it is still the most brutal thing. It's weird to recommend something that is uncomfortable to watch because it's essentially like bare knuckle boxing taken to the extreme. But these two, it's the most realistic wrestling match I've ever seen. Like, right. put it this way. At one point, Ily Dragunov is like, I mean, compared to Walter, he's a big dude, but compared to Walter, he's not that big. He maybe comes up to like Ilya's, like Walter's shoulder. So he's the plucky underdog. He's the good guy in this situation. At one point, he starts bleeding from the chest from blunt force trauma alone. Jesus Christ. Like, Walter hits him with like open hand palm strikes across the chest, like chops. Which is in every wrestling match, everyone doesn't. Walter makes him sound like a fucking shotgun's going off. I've been there in person when he had his match against Tyler Bates. It sounds like someone's being shot. He just belts him. First one, big red handprint across Ilya's chest. But he keeps going back to it to the point where, yeah, he just starts bleeding from his chest from being smacked so hard. <laughs> imagine, imagine that. Imagine you got smacked, not with like, you know, not punched, not cut. Just open heart, palm across the chest, got smacked so hard that you started to bleed. That's how much violence is in this match. It's almost unwatchable at points. <laughs> but it tells such a good story through that violence of just like, this is like, Ilya looks like a million bucks coming out of this because he refuses to give up. He only loses because he passes out from blood loss. Like, he, Walter gets him in a headlock and like squeezes the life out of him because he was desperate. 
Ilya was not going down, so he basically had to choke him out. And yeah, he just passes out, and they have to carry him to the back, like Jesus. Like, just, he has to be hauled to the back by referees, because he can't walk, he's not waking up. It's so good. I mean, the brand is still dead. I don't think I've watched one complete episode since then. Until I get word that the rematch is happening, I don't need to watch any more NXT UK for now, but... Yeah, I, I, you won't like it. It's not for you, Michael, but it was the best wrestling match of the year because it was horrible. Fair enough. Good God, that that, that was a lot. <laughs> Sorry, I know, but a lot happened this year and I don't have I don't write for the wrestling website anymore, Michael. I don't have my usual place to vent. So <laughs> you've had to bear fruit to that. I thank you for it. You are very welcome. Right, this went on for insanely long, as usual. <laughs> again yeah third time in a row it's going well uh right then i don't think the 2021 preview is going to be much shorter well either. we don't even know if we can preview anything for 2021 we don't even know what's coming out so uh true very unlikely true. we're going to make that episode but it just means we can get straight <laughs> into stuff like wandavision as soon as that launches oh that is a very good so in the meantime you can go and find me on twitter and instagram at that mike you can go and find darren on twitter and instagram at the gutridge you can find us on twitter instagram and facebook under the username foulent that's f-o-u-l-e-n-t find us on spotify apple Podcasts, soundcloud wherever you can pick up an rss feed under the username foulent or foulent podcast depending on the service you're using and of course go to foulentertainment.com for more podcasts all of our end of year articles and more insanity Lovely. You can, like I said, go and read the full written versions of these podcasts over on failentertainment.com, uh, where we go into slightly more detail. Um, not that I think you might need that at this point if you listen to this, but still, <laughs> they're over there for your uh, for your um, delectation. Maybe a bit more notes on stuff we only breezed over here. Um, you can go and listen to our rundown of the best films of 2020 as well. However, few of them there were, we did manage to make uh, some top ten lists. Um, so yeah. Please do go and listen to those as well. As I said, coming up, we've got one division starting uh, in a little over, two, a little under two weeks. We'll be getting to that as well, as well as lots of other things we have planned for 2021. Even if things don't come out, we show that we can pitch our way out of a problem whenever <laughs> we need to. So yep. look forward to more of that in the coming months. Please do. Uh, thank you for listening to this episode of Talk Amongst Yourselves, and we will see you in the next one. Bye, everybody. Bye.